You're live with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here with John Beeler. Get Connected, Canada's number one tech show, and we've got a great program for you today. Later on, we will be chatting about the latest EV news. So everything from the Tesla Cybertruck, there's some new updated pictures of this thing. When will it come out? We'll also be uh, chatting about Airstream. They've got a, uh, a concept electric camping trailer, which I think is kind of cool. That can park itself. Oh God, I need one of those. Yeah. Like I have a tent trailer, which isn't that big, but it's a nightmare. Like, cause how often do you back up a trailer a year? Not that often. Well, it, yeah. Props to you because I know some of these spots I've seen your trailer parked in is pretty tricky to get into, even if you're driving like a regular vehicle, let alone a truck pulling a big trailer. Yeah, it's insane. So a self-parking trailer, sign me up. We'll also be chatting with the uh, the folks over at uh, the... Let me get the, the name right here. The Software Association of Canada. Jason Hilchey on the line. He'll uh, be talking about the big Microsoft purchase of Blizzard Entertainment. And Activision. And Activision. This is one of the big game companies in the world. They're buying them for, what is it, John? $75 billion or something? $69 billion U.S. Okay. So probably <laughs> a lot of Canadian couch change for microsoft though right that's true it's a cash deal too crazy let's uh, talk about some of the uh, the tech news now john Uh, this was uh, interesting i'm a big neil young fan yes you are yes i love his music for many years now he's uh he's got some strong opinions about things lots of things yeah do you remember his uh, pono player i do it was a an mp3 player to compete against the ipod but it would only play like high definition versions of the song the way they were meant to be played. It looked like a over, it looked like a Toblerone, yeah. like a giant Toblerone. Very pocketable. No, no, not in <laughs> any way. Anyway, that died, unfortunately. I mean, it's always great to have competition. I would have loved to have seen it succeed. So his, his stuff, his music, it's up on the streaming services. The big one would be Spotify, right? Yes. That's the biggest streaming service in the world. Anyway, he's got a beef with Spotify. And specifically with Joe Rogan, one of their podcasters. Probably the biggest podcaster they have. Yeah. Do you remember Joe Rogan back from News Radio and Fear Factor? Yeah. Somehow this guy's the most influential podcaster in the world now. He's got hundreds of millions of people listening to him. Because he watched people eat bugs all the time. Yeah. <laughs> remember Fear Factor? I do. I, I, I never watched it. I hated it. I, I just don't like watching people... Suffer? Eat snakes and worms and whatever. Anyway... Joe Rogan, he's a very colorful character, and he's had some very, some would say, misinformed thoughts and musings about COVID. So, misinformation. Well, he's also had some pretty controversial guests on his show to talk about these things. Yeah. Neil Young, not having any of it. No. He's basically telling Spotify, it's me or him, because he's a very big vaccination person. Right. And so he's saying, either you get Joe Rogan off or take my music off. So he's saying, take all my music off. Right. Spotify. Because they're not going to get rid of Joe Rogan. No. It'd be very difficult for them to do that. I'm just wondering, you think Neil Young could start something here with other artists? The Pono streaming service? (laughs) No, but I'm just like, maybe some other artists might say, hey, he's right. Well, it's not uncommon for artists to take stands. Yeah. So... He's actually putting his money where his mouth is. Yeah. And he doesn't need the money. He doesn't. No. Have you seen this new concept store from Amazon down in LA? 
that they're building. Mm-hmm. It's called Amazon Style. It's a 30,000 square foot retail store for clothing, but with a twist. And Amazon's always trying out new things. So this clothing store, it's got clothes, but it doesn't have the racks with all the sizes. So there'll be mannequins and displays with like one of the items. And if you like that, you've got to log in with the app so they know it's you. And you can say, hey, I want to try this on. Tell it your size. And then you can pick a few other things. And then go to the fitting rooms, the changing rooms, and your name will be on one of the doors. And so you can use your phone to to get access. And then all the clothes that you want to try on will be in the changing room for you. Amazon elves will go <laughs> back in the warehouse and collect them and put them in there for you. I'm guessing they're not robots. I think they're elves. <laughs> I think they're elves. Okay. Uh, it's an interesting concept. They say there's going to be more than 100 people working there. I don't know how efficient that is, though, John. Well. And one way it sounds efficient, but if you've got like 100 people there having to do this. It, it, I, th- I think the challenge with that is it's a very different way of shopping for clothing. It, when you're in the racks, so to speak, touching the fabrics and all that kind of stuff like that, that's one thing. Knowing if they have your size, that's where the problems begin. So, Well, you just go into the app and it would tell you right away the size is there or not. Right. But it's sometimes it's, hard, it's, well, it's sometimes it's hard to know if their size is going to be your size. Well, then you try it on. Right. And so apparently in the changing room, if, if you need another size, you just go in the app and say, hey, I need a large or a medium. And then an elf just shows up. The elves come again yeah. with more, more clothes. I guess my thing, John, is like how long does it take to get the clothes? How long does it take to get the extra sizes you want? Well, it, that's no different than going to the bay and having a salesperson help you as well. They would go grab you more stuff too. Yeah. So I, I, I guess the point is, what is the point? Like, what are they <laughs> what, what are they saving by doing this versus just having, like, is it going to be a smaller footprint of the retail store because they don't- They can need, cram in more clothes? Right. Like more variety of clothes as yeah. opposed to having one whole rack of like, you know, every size imaginable. Because they're not saving on the labor. No. Doesn't sound like it. No. Unless they can automate that as well. But they're also seeing what your what your likes and dislikes are in the app. So they're Yes. They're getting the analytics that you wouldn't get in a clothing store. Yeah. So that's probably what it is. It's the it's the data. Yes. Crazy. John, you're on iCloud. You're an iPhone guy. Yeah. Big outage this week. Well it's it sounds like it's sporadic for people yeah i actually had an issue earlier this week when i had something on my brand new macbook pro with the m1 chip and i would save something to the cloud i put i'm starting to put everything in in my cloud account now and it wouldn't show up on my on my phone okay because that's one of the nice things because it just syncs across all your devices right and it's instantaneous yeah especially if you're at home on your own wi-fi like you've got one photo on your macbook it'll go to the iphone same with your documents and stuff and your ipad everything like that but for some reason it wasn't syncing. I'm like, well, what's going on? And then I realized, well, maybe I just need to reboot because I don't reboot my computer very often. It might've been since I got the computer since I last rebooted it or last software update at least. Once I rebooted, everything was fine, but I'm seeing lots of reports on the internet of people having major problems, including developers. Developers that rely on the cloud to sync things like your your high scores in your games and that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right? So... And if there's a problem there, and Apple hasn't acknowledged that there's a problem, 
But I mean, I had basically a couple of files that were trying to sync and I was trying to pull some music down off of my iCloud to put it onto my phone and it just sat there and just sat there and it was never downloaded. What problems we have, eh, John? I know. Right? <laughs> my cloud's broken. My cloud's broken. I can't get my song from the 25 million songs that I have access to. <laughs> I can't sync my document. In the old days, if we wanted to send a document somewhere, we actually had to take it, the paper and drive there or fax it. Yeah, and now we're complaining because the cloud's taking too long. Yes. Okay, we're going to have to take a break. We've got so much to talk about in today's program. The big Microsoft acquisition of uh, Blizzard and Activision for billions of dollars. What does that mean for video gaming? Will we see consoles in the future? And internet for seniors starting at $10 a month. We'll give you more info. Stay tuned. You are back with the program. Mike Agarbo here with John Beeler. Well, the big news in the past few weeks in the video game world would have to be the Microsoft purchase of Blizzard Entertainment. Over $68 billion they paid for a gaming company. It just boggles the mind, John. Yeah, and that's $68 billion with a B. And that's U.S. <laughs> dollars, too. So that's, that's a lot of money. Uh, it's incredible. Like, why would they pay so much money for a video game company? And it's interesting. We've seen Sony and Microsoft. They're the two big players when it comes to video game consoles. Microsoft, Microsoft's got their Xbox. Sony's got their PlayStation. But they have been buying up all of these uh, development studios and publishing houses. To help us understand why and what it kind of means for that whole world, we've got a great guest. His name is Jason Hilchey. He is the CEO of the Entertainment Software Association of Canada. Thanks for joining us today. Oh, thanks for having me. Happy to be here. So why would Microsoft pay so much money for uh, a video game company. I mean, they make the hardware. Why do they need to own own the companies? Well, that specifically is a quest, question for Microsoft. I mean, I can give you some, some context into why the industry is going through this consolidation period, which isn't just this, this deal. I mean, last week we saw uh, Take-Two Interactive Software purchase Zynga. Uh, last year we saw uh, Microsoft purchase Bethesda Softworks, which is also one of the largest companies in the world. You know, what you're seeing is not so different than what we've seen in other industries in the past. You know, the aerospace industry, semiconductor chip uh, industry, automobile industry. Once any industry gets to a certain point of maturity, they start looking at ways to become more efficient increase their content, uh, you know, drive efficiencies and scale and growth. And I think that's really what, what you're seeing here. Um, but, but really, I think the difference that's happening in our industry is that given the really fast changes in technology and uh, Microsoft's success with its Game Pass, I think really what you're seeing is a move in the industry to acquire as much content as possible as we move more toward a an industry where people subscribe to games instead of purchasing individual games. So it, it's definitely a boost to their catalog for sure. I, I, I look at the whole hardware industry, Jason, and, and you'd probably agree. It's becoming less and less dependent on the hardware as we get more into kind of streaming games. I mean, you can stream these games uh, to the consoles. You can stream them to your mobile devices uh, as now. Uh, so if you own the content, that's kind of where the money is really, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, you only have to look as far as the television industry and the consolidation that you're seeing there. I mean, you've, Disney Plus, I mean, they own so many different properties that they've now consolidated underneath one brand, one streaming service. Netflix is constantly 
you know, looking for new acquisitions. Uh, you're seeing things like, you know, Warner Brothers with HBO Plus and the DC uh, properties that are being put on there. So I think what you're seeing is not so different from that with the video game industry. And, you know, at some point in time, and I know that we just released new consoles a year ago, but I wouldn't be surprised to see consoles maybe disappear and the content being king. And so, uh, you know, I might think that some of these companies are preparing for that, like you just said, with respect to bolstering their catalogs of content um, so that they can all compete against each other. I mean, the industry is just moving so fast. Uh, I wish I could tell you, you know, solidly where we're moving, but I, I, I can't. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't bet against that possibility. Well, you know, I've talked to a lot of these big players like the Intels of the world and, and what have you, and they say that they're building this technology uh, into small cards and, and even televisions, right? I think in five years, your television will be capable of streaming uh, Microsoft Game Pass uh, games or, you know, whatever Sony has uh, as well. And you, you just basically won't need the console anymore, just a, uh, a, a controller. So what does this mean for small guys, though, Jason? You know, what if I have a dream of creating my own video game development company? How am I going to compete against, you know, these multi-billion dollar behemoths? You know, there's been a lot of discussion on that. Um, you know, scanning the media on this, I've seen that there there's a lot of excitement. There's a lot of shock. But there's also a lot of, you know, what I would say, just early concern about what this means. You know, just like with any industry, when consolidation happens, people start to worry about what it means for competition. I think personally that there's a lot of opportunity that this opens for the video game industry, because if you are a company that's looking for investment and investors and you've got a great game or you've got a great idea for a game and you can make that happen, if you have a number of big companies looking for as much content as they can possibly get, you know, investors are constantly looking for, for exits, right? They don't invest in companies where they don't have a chance to make money. And if you are a small independent studio that can make a great game and then either get bought or your game get acquired by one of these big platforms for their service, then I think that that really opens a lot of opportunity up for investors. And the video game industry has historically been very difficult for companies to be able to get investment because we're a hit-driven industry. Investors can't really predict whether a game will do well or not. But if there's an opportunity to be acquired by some of these large platforms that are looking for content and they've got a massive wallet waiting to pay for it, I really do think that that's going to open up a lot of opportunity for investors to begin you know, I not begin, but, you know, to, to look at the video game industry as perhaps a more uh, opportune place to put money. And I think that will drive more independent studios. So I have a tendency to look at things, what's the upside here? You know, and anytime there's a big deal like this, it does open up the opportunities for a lot of other smaller companies. I think it's an exciting time to be an independent developer for that exact reason. Yeah, um, that's the joy. Would or, you know, I, I think there's always a, a trade-off in being in, being acquired versus being independent. But I think if you create really interesting content, why wouldn't you want to get it on the platform of choice? The interesting thing about this particular deal that we're talking about with uh, Microsoft and Activision Blizzard is they have a lot of very popular titles that could potentially disappear from the Sony platforms, just like. Disney started pulling all their Star Wars stuff off everything else and, you know, with Disney Plus. So that's going to be really interesting. And that's going to become like a almost a new console war, at least for the remaining years of the consoles, uh, as we sort of have to pick and choose what content we want to play and how we have to play it. 
You know, Jason, I mean, I mean, it's coming down to your point. They're kind of becoming like the big uh, TV streamers, like, you know, Microsoft and, and Sony are going to be like Netflix and Disney, really, at the end of the day. It's definitely possible. And I really do think that it will be a lot of of content wars in the next generation of the video game industry. I mean, that's a prediction, but it's based on what I'm seeing in the industry. And the consolidation is not about technology as it is as much to do with the content and the various titles and games that, uh, you know, that these companies own. And I think it's beginning to become a mantra that, you know, the company that has the best titles is going to come out on top. And um, that, and that's what we're seeing. And, you know, so I, I think, you, you know, you always have to be cautious about, you know, mass consolidation, but at the same time, I really do think that, um, this is something that we'll look back on in years and, and really not think much of because it, you know, we never really thought much about the fact that our car companies bought up all the different, you know, independent car companies. And we just, we buy Jeep from, from Chrysler and we don't think about that Jeep used to be its own company. And, you know, it, it's, I really don't see it in any difference. It's just that it's a different, more kind of mainstream product that everybody is, especially in the last two years, has been using. So I think that perhaps it's maybe a bit closer to people's hearts than, than cars. So they're a bit more passionate about it, but I, I think we'll look back on it just very similar to the way that we look back on others. We've been talking about the big Microsoft purchase of Blizzard for $68 billion. That was Jason Hilchey. He's the CEO of the Entertainment Software Association of Canada. Jason, as always, it's a pleasure to have you on our show. Thank you. When we come back from the break, more tech to talk. Stay tuned. You are back with the program, Mike and John here. Well, I think internet is obviously uh, an essential piece of life now, isn't it? Like you have to have internet to stay connected, to get information and to communicate with family and friends. It feels weird if you don't have it. Exactly. Uh, but for some, it uh, sometimes is unaffordable depending on their income levels. Uh, we want to talk about a really cool program that TELUS has going right now, uh, especially for seniors. And on the line, we've uh, got Jill Schnarr. She is their Chief Social Innovation Officer. Thanks for joining us, Jill. Great to be here, Mike. So I wanted to get you on on the program because I saw one of your adverts uh, for cheap internet for seniors. And uh, this is uh, called Internet for Good. And uh, you also have Mobility for Good as well, which we'll talk uh, about a little later. Uh, but you've got some really amazing pricing for seniors that uh, are on a lower income level and uh, are on the, uh, I think it's the guaranteed income supplement uh, from from the government. Uh what what brought this program about and, and what, what are the, the prices around this? Yeah, we're really excited uh, because TELUS has launched uh, our new Internet for Good for Seniors program and it's available in BC and Alberta. And we now provide low-income seniors who are on the guaranteed income supplement and that's probably over 400,000 seniors across BC and Alberta. Wow. Uh, with uh, low-cost, high-speed broadband internet to the home, uh, as well as digital literacy training to stay connected. So eligible seniors can access two Internet for Good plans with unlimited data. So the first is Internet 25, and that includes speeds of up to 25 megabits per second for only $9.95 per month. Oh, my God. And, and then also there's Internet 50, 
and that has speeds up to 50 megabits uh, and that is $19.95 per month and you know the plans include unlimited data and there's no setup fees contracts or cancellation costs 10 bucks a month that that is like outstanding and so you know as far as the speeds go you know we're hearing about you know 100 500 megabits even gigabit speeds now but for seniors would that be enough internet speed do you think joe yeah, I think, you know, Internet 25 uh, is good for single senior seniors or um, seniors that may, you know, maybe only be two cup, two people in the home, a couple. Uh, Internet 50, you know, if you're getting more people in the home, then you're going to want speeds up to um, that amount. You know, we, we actually just recently started offering the enhanced uh, 50 megabit option. So it can provide enough speed and, and bandwidth for all of our customers and ensure they're supported in their internet needs so whether they're you know learning or working from home or streaming music or tv or playing games you know there's a lot of seniors who are gamers um and then i think also the speed profile it also aligns with the federal government because they have a universal service objective and and their goal is to ensure that all canadians can access speeds of at least 50 megabits per second. So uh, it aligns to that as well. And, and it, you know, the reactions have been hugely positive. We've seen upwards of 40% of new customers choosing the higher speed profiles since the launch. So we're excited uh, for what we're offering. Well, I mean, even at $20, I mean, that's still a, a heck of a price. You know, internet speeds or sorry, internet packages can get up into, you know, $100 plus nowadays. And, you know, for a lot of people, that's hard to afford. So, you know, being able to get uh, enough uh, internet uh, for 20 bucks or even 10 bucks a month, uh, you know, simply amazing. And, you know, that's kind of one of the things I like about TELUS. You guys are really about community and the whole uh, social aspect of, of, you know, your customer base as well. Yeah, you know, at TELUS, we see doing good and good business as mutually inclusive, right? Uh, We have specifically uh, committed to our social purpose, and that is we want to leverage the power of our world-leading technology and connectivity and compassion to enable remarkable human outcomes. You know, we're very specifically focused on bridging connectivity and bridging digital divides. You know, um, we offer internet and mobility services. And so we feel we have to take responsibility and accountability to ensure that everyone can get access, right? Um, Addressing the gaps um, that Canadians have to access data and digital technologies. I mean, you know, COVID has further accelerated, I think, um, the fourth industrial revolution where, you know, commercial, social health, and even education is rapidly expanding and evolving through digitization, but you have to be connected, right? And and so this, this creates really amazing results in some areas. So, you know, the fact that we're having you know, this interview, you know, virtually is amazing. Um, and the fact that people can now work from home um, and learn from home, but it, it, it exacerbates the inequalities for those without access. Um, and, you know, seniors even more so, like during the pandemic, 33% of seniors reported their mental health declined and 66% of seniors have felt isolated. So we have this awesome opportunity to use our technology to address this inequality and enable a a better life for seniors. Talk about the education component uh, of it, Jill. 
what, what can seniors access there? Oh, okay. So one of the things we offer, which is amazing, is uh, digital literacy programs. Um, so it's one thing to offer the service or the device, uh, but we also want to make sure that you know seniors know how to use the internet and they can stay safe on the internet. Uh, so um, we have a program called Teleswise. Uh, we've actually been offering this program since 2013. We've reached over 500,000 Canadians, uh, ranging from elementary school students, right? Because we have to teach them how to use the internet and how to stay safe through to adults, parents, and now seniors. And we offer these free educational workshops and web events, and they cover topics like, you know, protecting your online security, uh, privacy, reputation, right? Um, rising above cyberbullying, and just really using technology responsibly. Let's talk about uh, one of your other plans. Uh, so we've been talking about Internet for Good for Seniors. And again, these are uh, plans from TELUS uh, for Internet. Uh, again, uh, if you're a senior, you have to have uh, the guaranteed uh, income supplement. Um, and we'll, we'll give out the web address in uh, a little while where you can go to find out how to apply uh, for this, this TELUS service. Uh, but you guys also have Mobility for Good as well. And this is using uh, technology to, uh, to monitor the, the well-being of, of seniors out there. Yeah, we have Mobility for Good for Seniors. Uh, and again, that provides seniors who are on the Guaranteed Income Supplement nationally uh, to, uh, access to a discounted device and a subsidized mobility rate plan for only $25 per month. Uh, and that includes three gigs of data. And, you know, again, just helps them stay connected to loved ones um, and be able to access important healthcare resources and information. And, you know, if they're on the mobility plan plus the internet plan, really, and, and if they're on the maximum speeds, you're paying basically $45 per month uh, to get connectivity. Um, and that's really important. We also offer internet for good to not just seniors, but also low-income families. Uh, low-income people with disabilities, uh, as well as youth who are transitioning out of foster care into, into, into independence. Um, and we offer, you know, the same on the mobility front. So, you know, we're really trying to ensure that all groups, you know, no matter people's socioeconomic background, can get access to this very important connectivity because it's so important now to access all the resources we need to live. We're talking with Jill Schnarr. She's the Chief Social Innovation Officer over at TELUS about uh, some of their new uh, Internet for Good and Mobility for Good uh, plans uh, that they have. Where can people go then, Jill, to get some more information about this? Uh, yeah, so people can uh, go to uh, telus.com uh, slash Internet for Good Seniors uh, to spe specifically find out more information about the program and to uh, sign up. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks. Great to be here. When we come back from the break, more tech to talk. Stay tuned. Oh. You are back with Get Connected. Mike and John here. Time to talk uh, EV news, electric vehicle news. It's kind of an exciting uh, category. Yeah, because it seems like every week we have more and more stories to talk yeah, about. Cool new things. One of the things we teased at the uh, beginning of the show was Airstream. They had a concept trailer out. So this is just concept. It's not available yet, but... I love where they're going with this because uh, a lot of people have recreational vehicles and, you know, trailers that they pull with their trucks and SUVs. Yep. So it's a concept, like you said, and the idea behind this, it's an Airstream trailer that you would tow. 
behind a truck, presumably, and you actually have an app that lets you park the tr- the camper. That you know what? That's going to save so many marriages. <laughs> I you know I can't tell you how many times you know Alana and I almost got divorced trying to back our trailer into a camping site. Like oh my god, it was it's hard, right? Because yeah. you're not backing up trailers. Like truck drivers, maybe yes. Yeah, but, but if you're, you're doing just a, a one, like, especially if it's like the first trip of the summer and you oh, haven't yeah. done it in a year, yeah, it's awful. Yeah. And I just hate it. Like you're you're pulling into the campground and everyone's watching you because they know because <laughs> they're all sitting yeah. there day drinking. You, yeah, you think they'll get divorced today, <laughs> right? Because one of you's you know guiding the other person in, and the person doing the actual backing up, you don't know what you're doing. No, it's hard. Yeah, yeah. it's hard. So the idea behind this is that you would disconnect the trailer and then you use an app on your phone and then you can actually control it that way and it will park itself. And there's cameras all around it. There's solar panels on the roof. So it's going to generate its own electricity. There will be batteries and stuff in these things. So this this thing could be pretty heavy. So it could be... Yeah, that's the downside, right? Yeah, well, an Airstream itself is already a pretty big metal box totally compared to your like pop-up trailer right? yeah exactly so that also kind of limits the vehicles that you could use to tow it and if it's going to have like electric basically like an electric vehicle well it'd have to have a motor in it right yeah yeah well some kind of ev style wheels yeah right and and all that remote control systems so it's gonna be pretty heavy well but let's keep our eyes open for that uh so another big EV that a lot of people have been waiting for and they're going to continue to wait for is Tesla Cybertruck. And this thing was announced how long ago now? Is that a couple of years now? It's been a couple of years. Yeah, it was supposed to come out last year, but now I don't even think we'll see it this year. Well, it's supposedly been delayed until early 2023. And that's like if you were the first one to order it. I know, but that's like years behind now. I know there's the pandemic and everything, but I can't help but think, John, if the pandemic didn't happen, they still would have been delayed. Probably. Yeah. But the nice thing is, is it's so futuristic looking, even if it's a 10 year delay, it's still going to look futuristic. (laughs) I, you know, I wonder now though, John, so we've seen new pictures of it. It actually has side mirrors now, which I guess you legally have to have mirrors. Well, that was the thing is the prototype that was shown looked like something out of like a movie. Yeah because it wasn't legal, street legal. And now we have side mirrors, which I don't have any opinion on. They're side mirrors. Yeah. Who cares? But what everyone's losing their minds about is the giant windshield wiper. Yeah, because the front of it is like almost all windshield, right? Yeah. And so obviously if it's raining, you need to be able to wipe the rain away. So this windshield wiper is like ginormous. It's massive. Yeah. I still don't know how it's going to work though, John. Is it going to go like... Yeah, I don't know. Horizontally back and forth, or, or is it it's an, just the swiper thing. Typical sweep. Yeah, because it still doesn't seem big enough to reach the other side of the, well, the unless, windshield. Unless there's one on the other side, too. I can't, I can't see that. But my question, John. No, there isn't. No, there isn't. My question now, though, the other guys are coming out with trucks. Rivian. Which is a beautiful looking truck. Yes. And it looks like a normal kind of futuristic truck. Yes. Not a crazy right out, right out of Star Wars like the Cybertruck does. But... Ford, they've got their F-150, their lightning version. Mm-hmm. And GM has announced their Silverado, which looks beautiful as well. And apparently it's sold out already. Yeah. Like, that, that's like one minutes. I'm, well, at first, because I want to get an electric truck, because I want to get a bigger trailer. Um, but the Cybertruck was the first one out. I'm like, wow, the price seemed reasonable. Right. But all these new ones are coming in. 
And it looks like they're going to be hitting around the same time, John. Yeah. So is Tesla going to do as well with their Cybertruck? I don't know. It's hard to say because, I mean, I definitely, no offense, I find the Cybertruck much more appealing than a Tesla Model 3. Like from an aesthetics perspective. Oh, really? Eh? Yeah. Yeah. The Model 3 looks like a lot of people would disagree with you. It's very polarizing, the look of it, right? It looks like the the Halo truck from the, the Halo video game series. Yeah, it's probably definitely taken some inspiration from it. Yeah. But, I, I mean, I, I'm much more interested in that because you're riding up higher. It's funny, I've seen, we've seen videos of like Elon taking it to some events. Like when he was on SNL last year. Yeah. He drove one. Did he? To, to Rockefeller. Oh, I didn't see that. And there's there's a guy in one of the EV groups on Facebook that I'm in that... I think he lives in Kelowna. He's built his own version of it. No. And then, I mean, I don't know what platform it's on or anything. I just seen photos of this Cybertruck lookalike. And if anyone knows who this guy is, let us know in the, in the, uh, our, our feedback form so we can, uh, reach out to him, find out, track him down. Eh? Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I, 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 um, I wanted to get one, but now that these other trucks are out, I'm kind of, yeah. Well, and all the other trucks have some pretty interesting, compelling options. Too. Yeah. So it, the, I think it's going to boil down to what's the price, right? Because trucks are not inexpensive normally. No, no. But, you know, the, the, the Tesla Cybertruck, they were saying that the base, base model was 39,000 US, which I thought was like, wow. Right. So that'd be what, close to 50? Uh, probably 60. <laughs> yeah, probably 60 when it gets yeah. here. Yeah. yeah. It's Still, a lot of money. It is. Yeah. yeah. But we'll, we'll just have to wait and see. Okay, you are listening to Get Connected. We are going to have to take a quick break. When we come back, more tech to talk. Stay tuned. You are back with Get Connected. Hope you've been enjoying the program. Don't forget to hit our website, getconnectedmedia.com. Next week, you got to stay tuned. We are going to be launching a new contest, giving away an iPhone from TELUS. That's the first time we've given away an iPhone. I know, it's going to be pretty cool. Uh, but let's talk about our sister show, uh, show John. Uh, it's on every Sunday or Saturday nights in Toronto. We've got a great uh, program coming up tomorrow. We'll be uh, chatting about the metaverse some more and some of the different ways to actually consume it coming up. Uh, and we'll also be talking uh, about what is the metaverse with Brian Jackson. And uh, he's uh, our friend from Infotech Research Group. So, you're going to keep hearing about the metaverse. It's kind of the next generation of the internet. We're continuing to try to demystify it, and uh, you'll want to stay tuned for that. Also, Crypto.com admits that over $30 million have been stolen by hackers. Not good. No. So we're going to talk a little bit about cryptocurrency and some of the dangers involved with it. Yep. And we're going to talk about the continuing saga of John and Mike's cell phone data plans. <laughs> we have a little contest going to see who can get the cheapest cell phone plan well, with the most data. You won up until this week. Yes. And we'll talk about that on the app show tomorrow. Yes. And how, well, you beat me not only in data, but the price as well. Yes. And I am, I am floored. Yeah. So we'll talk about that and a whole lot more on the app show. I want to thank John and Christina, Robin and Stephen, and all the rest of the folks that help put the program together. We'll see you again next time.